Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Oh my goodness, it's only preseason, but I'm hyped in Episode 64 is live, coming at you from the Hustle and Flow studios in Palatine. And we want to start off by apologizing for some technical difficulties last week. For all our loyal followers on YouTube, we're wondering, where were the smiling faces of Stacey King and Mark Shanowski last week? Well, we had a little bit of a technical snafu. We don't want to point any fingers, but it's all Tim's fault. Tim was in Dubai. He locked us out of the computer. We were scrambling like ants trying to get the show on the air. Now now you guys finally realize I'm the linchpin. You know what? We don't like to snitch. But, but we are going to drop down. <laughs> it was Timmy Whispers. He was the reason why we weren't on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. And then DJ Pavel, he scrambled and we were able to get yeah. the audio version out to all our listeners, Bulls Nation, America. We 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 really it was a really bad situation. We almost didn't get we on scrambled. at all. Yeah. We scrambled and Pavel found a way to get us going and get us back on there. Did some work on YouTube. We didn't get we didn't get Nick's face on there. We were, our faces weren't on there, but trust me. They'll be on there this weekend. Yeah, so we're, we're happy to be back live and in color from beautiful Palatine, Illinois. And our guy, uh, Timmy Whispers, you can't really see with the lighting in here, but he's a little bit red, a little <laughs> bit lobsterish from being in Dubai. Yeah. Tell us about your business slash vacation trip uh, to the United Arab Emirates. It was great. And you know, before I left, I did plan that power play just so you yeah, understood. Yeah, sure you did. <laughs> so, so, you, so, so we can see how important here. you are yeah. to the show. It's before the trade deadline. <laughs> oh my! Oh my God! Well, Tim, we you might be what? trading you. You know what? You almost we ain't got no you second are, round draft. You were either. almost cut. You were almost cut. We are, you know, you, we used to have five people on the box, and then we had to make a few, <laughs> we had to make a few adjustments, and now we got three, and it almost came down to two. Oh yeah, when I was riding that camel, I was laughing to myself. Yeah, like, I got these guys. Yeah, yeah what is what's the time difference? Because we try to get hold of you what at one in the afternoon here, which would have been what time in Dubai? Uh, about midnight. So you, your excuse is you were sleeping. You never got the text? Yeah, I'd already been to the Irish pub, the only one in town. Oh, okay. <laughs> guy, the guy flies all the way. <laughs> How many hours was it? 12 there, 14 back. 12 hours, America, to go to an Irish pub. <laughs> wow. As many sights as there to see in Dubai. He wanted to go to an Irish pub. You said you have to go uh, undercover. You're not supposed to drink in Dubai, so they have to have these like really? speakeasies where you I go. No gambling, no drinking. Really? I did not know that. Is that how they make all the oil money? By staying clean? Yeah, Vegas on steroids, but without the gambling or drinking. Really? Yeah. Well, tell our listeners and viewers about what happened. I mean, what did you think of the place? Oh, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, it's, uh, it's brand new. 
So they started building their the big buildings about 15 years ago, and they only uh, became a country in 1971. So hasn't been a long time. It was basically just a big sandbox that they started building in and it's, they've done an amazing job because it's a brand new city so so did you get to see the all the um the cars that are left there tell the story yeah, about the yeah. cars and why they're left so there i had the guy drive me by the place where they take them from the airport and uh it is filled with aston martins ferraris lots of other cars too i mean there's everything in there and no hyundai's they, they no hyundai's or now. toyotas yeah you can actually go on a website now to global um, auction that they have every week what they're they're seized from the airport yeah because there's no debt allowed there so if you and you have to work so what happens is if someone is losing their money they'll they're better off just taking off and they'll just leave the car at the airport and they're gone never never to return so are you a big wow. oil tycoon now did you make some big deals over there no it's all medical so <laughs> Did you, did you wear a robe and did you wear, you know, the, was, the garb that's the over there? Robes, they do have stores striking. that that's all they sell. Yeah. And, uh, you didn't get any? No, and I had to find out, is that okay to wear that? And they, they said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so everybody wear. All my friends that went over there wears it. I'm going to wear it when I go over there. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I think rent, it'd be pretty cool. You can rent a Rolls Royce for pretty reasonable. Everything with cars is very reasonable there. You were t- you were talking about how you know like their Ubers were really nice too. Yeah, like, all you know, Lexuses and uh, first class Uber rides. Yeah, ten bucks to go across the city. It was, oh. it was for four people. Chicago, if you're listening, okay, can we get that going on here in Chicago, the city <laughs> well, gas of Chicago? Is like two two cents a gallon. So oh, I don't care. It's, it's right yeah, there. Whisper, show me the pictures. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. The structures there. Yeah. I, 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 Rob, the Burj Khalifa, amazing. What, what's the what's the area, Tim, where they have all these high rise houses? They look like they're on a beach in a roll. And they look like they're kind of like out on their away from the city, but yeah, it looks yeah, pretty Shumera sharp. Beach. Yeah, that looks that looks yeah. pretty cool. And now there's two Palm Islands. Really, they built a bigger one after I didn't even know that till I was there, and you could see it from these uh, high rises. You'll have to post some pictures yeah. at gimmethehotsauce.com. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We yeah. also yeah. like to hear from some of the listeners and viewers if you want to send us a question. That's sure. info at gimmethehotsauce.com. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We'll yes. read some of, some of the best ones on the air. We always read. We, we've been entertained seeing some of the comments on YouTube. On YouTube. We, yeah, yeah, yeah we read all the... Hey, listen, yeah. when you leave a comment on YouTube, <laughs> we read every single one of them, and occasionally I'll pop down there, and, and I will answer those questions um, as I see them. Some of them are really funny. Some of those are really funny. Really I mean, funny. It's, it's, it's hilarious, some of the questions you guys come up with. And make sure to tell all your friends, hit the like button, share, and subscribe. We want to keep growing the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. We're over 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. We want to get that number continuing to grow in the new year. We want to thank some of our great sponsors, including our friend Howard Ankin. <coughs> Chances are, if you live anywhere in Chicagoland, you've seen Howard on a bus, train, billboard, or TV commercial with or a famous closet. Chicago athlete. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a new one out with Io DeSumo, who we're hoping to have on the show real soon. Howard is everywhere. So if you've been injured at work, in a car, truck, or rideshare accident, or on a camel in Dubai, (laughs) call our guy Howard. He's a third-generation attorney from Chicago. And his number, easy one to remember, 312-6-million. That's our guy, Howard Ankin, 312-6-million. You hear about any uh, camel accidents in Dubai? No, but we almost had a head-on out in the desert in a Toyota Land Cruiser. We did a, a dune ride and. There's no signs out there, so people are just flying all over the place. And 
I got that on a video. I'll post that. Yeah, he too. said he almost got into a head-on collision. Oh man, yeah, the trucks come the other way. That's all, all we needed here. So keep yeah. Howard's number handy. Yeah, so you you know, know, keep an ambulance problems. handy and a doctor. You <laughs> going? <laughs> <laughs> you going up on those little sand dunes? You know, I've seen them. Yeah. You know, people diving up on those things, man. And and when he said he almost hit head-on, I believe that. Yeah, he was, was sand surfing too. They, you showed me some yeah. video of sliding down a big hill. Well, he went. He went like at a great time too, because the weather wasn't like his normally. Because if he would have been there like in the summertime, yeah. he wouldn't have been able to be out there that much. No, no, it's no. seventies. It was perfect. yeah. It was like seventy degrees, so it was really nice there. Normally, it's like a hundred plus a hundred. Him and his guy Rich would have been uh, crawling in the desert, oh, having water. hallucinations. Yeah, <laughs> looking for the Irish yeah, pub. Irish pub. Yeah, anyone see the Irish pub? <laughs> but the camel ride was pretty cool, though. Seeing the videos of you on the camel ride, that was that was pretty cool. It's weird. You need to learn how to work the camera because your wife was kept trying to tell you, show you how to videotape everything and get everybody involved oh, wait, in those, uh, those discussions are yeah. always fun when yeah. your wife's telling he, you. How he's to do got it. the camera, you know, pointed up in the air. Yeah. We're seeing the sky. We're not seeing the sand. We're not seeing the camels. We're not seeing anything we're seeing the camel's ass i don't want to see the camel's ass i want to see the camel toe the I, oh that's right the camel toe <laughs> hey hey america america i didn't know where they, i didn't know where they got that word from but i saw a camel's toe and i now i understand <laughs> it all makes sense it all comes together now you freak Timmy whispers Timmy whispers the show gets back. off the rails He's right back. off the start good to have you back we also want to uh, ask Stacy about celebrating his birthday over the weekend oh, happy yeah. birthday belatedly yeah you know what once you get to 35 you really stop having birthdays yeah you know? I get it. so yeah. I, I'm 35 forever I'm, I'm like <laughs> I'm like Lestat the vampire I only I only stopped at 35 man you know but but I will say this I had, thank you for all the birthday wishes America and Bulls Nation I appreciate it it was awesome um, got to spend it with my family you know we I didn't, I didn't go anywhere, you know, specifically, but I had my boys come over yeah. and, you know, we had a wonderful time, Don, me, my, my three sons, we had a great time hanging out, telling stories and stuff like that. It's good whenever you can get your kids together all yeah. in one place, because it's so hard because they got their own lives. They all work. Right. So to get them in one place is awesome. So we were able to get them all in one place, you know, but they never turned down free food or beer. So no, you know, you, as soon that. as you say that, if you say, hey, come visit dad, <laughs> uh, well, I think I'm going to go out tonight. Uh, and let me check my schedule. But when you say, hey, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have food, beer. Oh, what time? What time do you want me there, dad? <laughs> so did you put party hats on Brixton and uh, Kobe Kai? No, nah, man. You know what? They're, those those little meatballs. <laughs> you know what? They I love those little suckers, man. They, I love those dogs, man. But they, Kobe especially. Kobe is like, he is starving for love. Like, he's one of these dogs that wants you to hold him, wants sure, you to squeeze yeah. him. But the problem is, he doesn't want anybody else to get any love. So if Brixton comes up and gets on my lap and wants to be petted, he'll knock him off, paw him in the head, <laughs> knock him off. You know, he's very jealous of anyone getting the attention. You know, he could be dead sleep. Sleep, sleep in his little bed, mind yeah, his own business, yeah. and then Brixton will kind of sneak over. Like I'm gonna sneak over, get a little love by my dad because I don't get <laughs> I don't get this love from my dad very often because that little selfish son of a bitch over there. So he comes up, and then all of a sudden Kobe will wake up and rock, will run over there. Yeah. And then slap him in the head and push him down, <laughs> and then he'll want. You got a bully in the house. Yeah, we got a bully in the house. <laughs> I, I, like I, I liken it to prison. Like you know, the other day, the other day, Brixton was in was eating something. He had something in his mouth, and then all of a sudden, Kobe came and just took it. 
Like, give me that. That's just, give me that cornbread. You're not going to eat that cornbread. Give it here. <laughs> give me that fruit. You know, that kind of thing. Just punking him. And, and Brixton is older. And I'm thinking, but but Kobe's big. Kobe's, yeah. Kobe's a big dude. Kobe, he's he's Kobe, way lifted. Yeah, yeah. Kobe, Kobe be one of them dudes be in the yard. Yeah. He be leading. He be pumping iron with his shirt off. That's that's Kobe America. Yeah. That's my that's my little pocket bully. He is yoked. And Brixton's more, Brixton's more the athletic type build, the skinny yeah. muscular build. But Kobe's yoked. Kobe, Kobe be like the dude to be telling giving everybody orders go get this guy go do that go yeah. take that boy's cornbread right over there i want that that's kobe <laughs> well we, we've gone about 50 minutes we haven't said anything about sports so maybe we should talk a little bit about <clears throat> basketball obviously stacy didn't make the trip to toronto but we watched the game intently and when they took the lead when uh vucevic got that lucky layup inside i'm like man they're gonna win this game yeah and then, unfortunately, they get the tip in by Barnes and they lose in overtime. That was a tough one. Oh, it was a tough one to lose because they had every opportunity to win that game. There was yeah. that, that game was a lot of ebbs and flows. You know, Toronto will get a lead. The Bulls will get a lead. Uh, they both – it was a good hard-fought game. I mean, that's a – Toronto's going to be a team, Mark, that nobody's going to want to play in the playoffs because yeah. of the, they don't have any really big, dominant big guys. But what they do have is a lot of long, athletic guys. And you can see the pressure that they put on yeah. you when they decide to press. And every time we played them this year – they trap us and they put pressure on us and we don't handle the press very well. Um, last night's game, you know, we gave up too many offensive rebounds, too many points in the paint. We had an opportunity to win that game when, when Vooch hit that lucky shot, uh, when the shot was running right down. As the shot yeah. clock was expiring. And, and, yeah. and to, to, you know, for them, to, all we need to do is get a rebound. Yeah. That's that all, all we night. knew. They got 22 you know, offensive rebounds. And, and that's when, you know, when you, you I watched that play and I don't point fingers at anybody, but in that situation, all five jerseys have to be in the paint. Mm -hmm. There was a, some guys leaking out. And there's no reason to leak yeah, out you because they're, where are you over. going? Yeah. You've got to get in there and help rebound the basketball. And so, you know, it's one of those bang, bang plays, too. It was like, you know, it was a quick hitter, boom, boom. And then, you know, he got the tip in, you know, and they've been getting offensive rebounds all night long. And that's something that's hurt the Bulls all season long is second chance opportunities. But their ability to score neutralized that against certain teams. But against long athletic teams, especially down the stretch, you got to rebound as a committee. It's not just one or two guys. It's five guys in the paint making sure we come up with the ball. And it was Scotty Barnes who got the tip in to force overtime. And he has a story that's very similar to Patrick Williams. <clears throat> he was the sixth man when he began his one year at Florida State. Then he eventually moved into the starting lineup and was drafted number four overall by the Raptors, just like Patrick Williams drafted fourth overall by the Bulls. And I think Bulls fans are thinking, man, if Patrick Williams can be like Scotty Barnes, we really got something here. Well, I think Scotty Barnes is a little bit bigger than him. I mean, as far as physically mm -hmm. bigger, because he's playing, he played the center spot last night, and that kid's going to be a good player. I mean, he, he's a guy that can handle the ball, he can rebound, he can score, he can shoot. Um, I, I think the best thing that happened to him was Siakam being out early, and then he was able to establish him, yeah. himself in the Toronto lineup as being a guy that can do pretty much everything that Siakam could do. And now he's established. So he's one of their main guys. And, you know, he, he didn't have the best of games last night, but he hit shots when they needed it. That offensive rebound was huge. And, um, you know, Patrick Williams, no one knows what he can do yet. Right. We, we don't know. It's, 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 we've seen glimpses and, and flashes of what kind of player we think he can be, but we haven't seen it consistently. And it's so, it was so sad that he got hurt 
so early in the season trying to dunk the ball against the Knicks because it would have been interesting to see where his development would be right now because you look at Io and you've seen Io's development over you know a three month period. You have to say that Patrick Williams would probably be in that same kind of development role. And you'd have both of those two young players making huge contributions for your team right now. And that's been a sore spot for the Bulls because they have lacked size at that position that Patrick Williams is playing. And hopefully he'll be back soon. You know, I think he's healing a lot faster than what they thought. Um, Maybe we'll get him back before the season is over and he'll be able to play 15, 20 games to get himself ready for the playoffs because you definitely, if the Bulls don't make a move and they're not able to get somebody on a buyout situation, they make a trade, you know, you're going to need him. You're going to need him in the lineup. You're going to need him defensively because he has proven at the NBA level he can guard pretty much anybody on the floor. And that's a that's a, a added commodity, you know, because you can see how bad we miss Lonzo Ball. See how bad we miss Caruso, you know, Derek Jones Jr., guys who play defense and can shut people down. And the problem with the Bulls right now is they're getting attacked at the point guard position, at the guards position. They're getting broken down at the top. And when they get broken down at the top, it's leading to easier shots and three-point shots and layups for big guys. And you don't want to have to score 125, 130 points to win every night. I mean, that's not no. a formula for no. continued success. No, not, not against teams that can score with you. Because at some point, you've got to draw a line in the sand defensively and say it's enough's enough, especially late-game situations that you know they've been playing late. They've been having a lot of games late game, last five minutes, where it could go either way. And that's when you when you, you want to see the development of the team, the toughness of a team, saying, okay, listen, we gave a lot of easy baskets in you know, the first three quarters. Now it's time to lock in, focus, let's stay on our man, uh, let's not get caught in switch situations, because that, that's a, been a big you know, sore spot there because when they come back in transition, if you watch the Bulls come back in transition, they're running back, but they're not running back to the guys they're supposed to be guarding. So you're automatically putting yourself in mismatch situations Mm -hmm. right off the box when the other team comes back down and they're trying to score. So they've got to, you know, the big man is always, it's it's, it's imperative that the bigs for the Bulls protect the paint first. Everybody else can run out to perimeter players, but I don't want to, I don't like to see Vooch running out to a point guard. I don't want to see that because you're takes your rebounder away and out of the paint and allows people to drive to the basket. We're six days away from the NBA trade deadline as we tape this on a Friday afternoon in uh, beautiful Palatine, Illinois. What do you think? Do you think the Bulls will make a move? Or I, My personal opinion is I don't think that AK is going to trade Patrick Williams. I think he wants to see what he's got. I think if it was the right deal, he might part with Kobe White, but I don't think they're really necessarily leaning that way. We saw a rumor that they might pick up Dennis Schroeder, which seems kind of odd to me, and then maybe sign Paul Millsap on a buyout. I mean, a lot of things could happen. What, do you anticipate any major changes in the next well, week? Well, I mean, and I've said this for the last few weeks, it, it all depends on you know what they see themselves. How do they vision themselves? You know, I think going into this season, I think the mindset was let's just let's get anywhere between six and eight. You know, not not talking playing. I'm talking legitimate six right. to eight. You know, they're in the playoffs, and so uh, they've exceeded all those <laughs> those expectations. They from the very get go, you knew this team was going to be very good. They were better than a six seeded team. Okay, so now they've been number one pretty much all season long. You know, and now you have to ask yourself. Do we want to mortgage our future? Because they've already given up first round picks to get Vooch and and you know they move in Demar. Yeah. So you got to ask yourself: Is the window how big is the window? Is the window big enough that it's going to stay open for a couple of years, or is it the window that's like really barely open and we got a shot to get in that window and, and really cause some damage? I think honestly, 
if they can get somebody in a buyout situation without having to give up their their young pieces, because I, I still believe in Kobe. Uh, I still believe in Patrick Williams. I still believe that those kids have a high ceiling. Kobe's shown you this year that he has the ability to be a big-time scorer coming off the bench in a mm-hmm. Jamal Crawford role, a Ben Gordon role. You know, that that's what I envision him right now early in his career. Now, I still think he's a starter in this league. But not right now with the team that we have. He would have to fill that role as a Jamal Crawford or Ben Gordon role that's going to come off or Lou Williams that's going to come off and get you 20 or more points off the bench. I think he's very valuable in that role now. But I, I Patrick Williams, I, I don't I, I can't see them giving giving up on him this soon because yeah, I can't either. Because you haven't seen what he could do. And then if he goes somewhere else and plays and, and is an all-star, and then we give up someone, you know, because you gotta remember the salary cap is this is not NBA two K on on on, <laughs> on the Xbox, you know. That's so right. there is a salary cap, and then you still gotta pay Zach. People tend to forget about that. Zach still is getting ready to get a max, max deal. Yeah. So now you got all this money invested in your your core players. You got Zach, you've got you know, Ball, you've got, uh, you know, you got DeRozan. I mean, three of your players you paid, you know, you gave uh, Caruso a nice little contract. So your your top six or seven guys are pretty much locked in, you know, once you get Zach in. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to get caught where you're going to take on like a Jeremy Grant. We all would love to have Jeremy Grant. A lot of teams would love to have Jeremy But Jeremy Grant is got, I think, got one more year on his deal, and he's going to want an extension as a max dollar player. And he's really not a max. And I love Jeremy Grant because he's he's my one, Harvey Grant, my one of my good friends' son. But is he really a max player? Is he really that kind of player? I know the and, market and then you're deep into the that. luxury tax. Exactly. Yeah. And is he enough to push you over the edge? Is he enough that says we get this guy, we can win a championship? I, I don't think so. Is he is he a great? Is he a good player? Good fit for this team? Yeah. If I me personally, if I was going to do that, and you feel like you had to make a move from somebody. I would say me, Stacy King, playing the GM. I would look at a guy like Miles Turner. Um, you know, a guy who can come in and play the four and the five position that can rebound post up. He's a career 36% three point shooter in the league. So he can stretch the defense, but he's a rim protector. Um, and, and what, you know, what would Indiana want to part with? You know, what, what, what do they want for that type of player? Patrick because, Williams. Well, cause they're, they're trying to give up something, you know, but if you, if you could, you could finesse them into something else, you know, uh, you know, maybe a Kobe and, and some expiring contracts cause they want to rebuild. They want, they want rookie deals on guys. They want, to rebuild right. they're at that point where they they pay a lot of money they're not winning they're a playoff team that's constantly going to be seven to eight play in and you're paying all this money and you're not getting what you're you're paying for so they're ready to break up that team a lot of teams are ready to break up so you know i mean i don't think ak is going to do it honestly um i think that, that you know the one thing i like about ak and mark they don't show their hand everybody right. else is talking everybody else is all oh, the bulls are this and word has the bulls those guys are not talking. They're kind of like the old Jerry Krause used to be. You know, Jerry Krause didn't tell you anything until it was done. And I like the way they they do business. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know where their where their mind is going towards this team. But you can bet this: they are going to improve this team in the areas that they think that needs to be improved for them to be a winning team. And Zach Levine, it was painful watching him try to play with those back spasms last night. And then his oh. post game interview, they put him in front of the you know the Zoom cameras, and he was he was in so much pain, he was wincing while he was talking yeah. to the report. So we're, we're taping Friday afternoon. I doubt if he's going to play against the Pacers, and and you have to think long term. You know, he played forty two minutes in an overtime game, and he was in a lot of pain. Yeah, and and you know what? I mean, I, I felt bad for him because I knew he was in a lot of pain last night. He he was probably he probably should have set out last night. Yeah, but yeah. you know, it was one of those gut check times. It's like, hey, you know, my team needs me. 
the kid wants to win. You know, he just got nominated, you know, uh, elected to the hall. I mean, to the all-star, all-star game yeah. again. And he wants to play. That guy does not want to miss games. DeMar doesn't want to miss games. You know, it was a forced rest for DeMar. And, you know, that's one of those situations coaches have to look at and say, you know, can we give this guy a couple of days off? Now, the good thing is, is that if you give him the night off tonight against Indiana, you know, he has two nights to rest for Sunday's game. Another back-to-back. Which is, which is Sixers and yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, you got Sixers and Phoenix. So yeah. it's like, do you just give him a couple days off, let him let him heal up, and then, you know, yeah. take our chances on Sunday uh, and then Monday, I think. Is it Monday we play? Yeah, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, yeah. and it's like well, five and, and games. And like, Pacers, Sabonis is out, Turner's out, Brogdon's out. So Yeah, I mean, that know. might be a game that you can rest him. You yeah. know, and you want to – listen, Billy, Billy – Billy's one of the better coaches in the league. He, he knows what to do. And it, it's just getting those guys to do it. You know, going to Zach saying, hey, we're giving you the night off because we feel you need rest. So we're going to give you the night off. But I know Zach. Zach's going to want to play. And, you know, that's it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens as the Bulls get ready to take on the Indiana Pacers Friday evening. Coming up next, the NBA trade deadline is just fast approaching, and one of the guys' name was being thrown around is a former Oklahoma Sooner, Buddy Heald. Sooner, baby. Yeah, he almost went to the Lakers in a trade over the summer. He's still with Sacramento coming off the bench. We'll ask Buddy about what he anticipates coming up. But before we do that, I want to remind you that when it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, make sure to contact the king of insurance, nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic at jeffvuk.com. That's Jeff VUK.com. And Stacy, remember, Nationwide is on your side. <laughs> you know, uh, Adam and uh, Robbie Hummel were in Toronto yesterday, and they didn't know what to do there. I think I think Adam was going to sing, and then he chickened out at the yeah, last second. Yeah, yeah. They, I give everybody confidence. <laughs> I, I give. I take the pressure off Adam every night. He right, never has right. to sing it. But when I'm there and he does sing it, you know, he sounds like Pavarotti. Nationwide <laughs> is on your side. I'm like, wow, man, a little guy with such a deep voice then he said he was trained as an opera singer come on man come on stop it adam you wouldn't know opera singer i need to see proof i need to see some kind of award i need some some diploma (laughs) that you went to the school of fine arts i need to see it and stacy's going to be back uh, for the game on sunday and then you'll be hitting the road uh, later in february right america i know everybody was concerned last night they were wondering where your boy was bulls nation i am fine i'm not having any kind of covid situation I'm fine. The reason why I didn't attend game last night in Toronto is because during the road games, we do the road games from uh, WMAQ Studios, Channel 5, down in the city, because I'm not physically ready to travel yet. But good news. I'm not doing tonight's game. That's bad news. (laughs) (laughs) But good news. I'll be back for the Charlotte game, and I will start traveling uh, after All-Star break. So that's dun, 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 dun. newsflash. Stacey King will be traveling after All Star break. My first trip will be in Miami. Yeah, whispers he picks Miami to go back. Uh, hey, listen, you know, Mark, man, huh? listen, Mark, yeah. listen, Mark, listen, Mark. Hey, hey, listen, both of you two. Listen, <laughs> hey, stop drinking Haterade, Jane Gatorade. It tastes better, okay? Stop hating on me because we're gonna be in Miami. I think like three days, baby. I'll be out there lounging like an iguana at the pool, baby, drinking some fruity drinks. I'll be thinking about y'all while y'all freezing asses off here in Chicago, shoveling snow. No, baby. What weekend is that? Uh, it's like the 20, right after All-Star break. So it's like the 20, 
first or something. It's like three days. We're there. Yeah. We're there because we have another game in Atlanta. So we're in two warm places, baby, for the whole week. The king is oh, back. Oh, back. And, I, and I did. I ain't gonna lie. I purposely picked that <laughs> that trip. I could I could have came back. I could have came back. I could have came back for Charlotte. But nah, nah. I yeah. want to go somewhere warm where I can <laughs> that my feet can walk in the sand on the beach. Oh Lord, have mercy. I pull out that's the where, old that's where speedo. The Omicron variant that was growing. Pull out the old so speedo. Oh Lord. Oh yeah. So put put some baby oil on Woo, be sliding around in my pool miami crumb coming hey, after you hey listen <laughs> hey man listen miami boy miami's nice this time of year mm-hmm. i'll be there too yeah you gonna be there too during that time uh the 24th oh we need to check we, oh, need, to check. we need to check you might be you down at the overlap? same time you might be down <laughs> at the same time i am listen hey call me let me know have your people call my people all right, let's do that. Okay. All right. So they got a plan for a Miami getaway. Yes, yes. Pablo, we're going to bring in Buddy Heald after a quick timeout here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. How about a little music? There you go. Yeah, DJ Pablo's back, baby. We are back on Give Me the Hot Sauce, and now we are in the presence of two Oklahoma legends. Of course, our guy Stacy King and Buddy Heald, who took uh, the Sooners deep into the tournament during his days with the Sooners. Buddy, thank you so much for joining us. Did, following in the shoes of Stacy King at Oklahoma, That's that's got to be pretty tough, isn't it? He's a legend down there. Oh, he's a legend. It's tough for sure. You know, you, you know, Oklahoma fans, they always talk about their days when they were there. So, you know, it's, it's hard to match it, you know. I, I still would never beat them out because, you know, they were the, one, they were the, the guys that started everything for us, so... Uh, they he always be above me no matter what the stats on numbers say. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, but you know what? Listen, he he almost single handedly got them oh, to I know. A, a national title. Single handedly, he was he was on a mission that year, and I, it was so fun. It was so much fun watching him. I remember going there talking to him, and and just a great kid. You always wanted to see him do well, and that was a special team too. I mean, mm-hmm. I know our team was the deepest team that that went. But his team had a legit chance to to win it all too, so uh, that that was yeah. pretty cool. There's a lot of great players. People be sleeping on Oklahoma, buddy. Tell them there's a lot of yeah. great players that come out of there. You know that they, they don't. Yeah. Some of them don't even make it to the league, but there are yeah. a lot of great mm-hmm. players out of there. You know, you got you, you, of course you had Alvin Adams who really started it all for the Oklahoma program, and then Wayman basically came on and put took it to another level and put it on the map. And those two guys, I always say when people say who's the greatest player, da, da, I, my first thing I always say is is Wayman and Alvin Adams because they started it. You know, I, I just helped put a brick in the road. Buddy helped put a brick in the road. And we've made it to the program the way it is today. For sure, no doubt. He's right about that. Buddy, when you think back to your days at Oklahoma, what stands out in your mind? You know, how fast it went. That's how, yeah. like, how fast <laughs> it went. Like, you know, as a kid, you always think about like, yo, over to college, you know, I'm going to the Final Four, but then after that, you know, your mind, thinking back in your mind, I'm going to get to the NBA. And after that, you know, that you just keep going fast, fast. It's year one. You're learning the ropes. You're learning the, the, the town. You're learning the fan base, everything. And year two, just like, okay, this is it. You got to make the next jump. And after that, three, four, just hit you like this quick. And he's like, man, I'm senior already. And, uh, and it's like, that uncertainty, what's next? You know, you don't go into the league, I'm going overseas, I'm trying to find myself a job, like, what's next? And uh, and uh, that's, that's when you got to figure out what you're trying to do as a basketball player or as a human being, as a man, like, what are you going to, like, approach everyday life, what you want to be doing for the rest of your life? And uh, it just happened fast, and uh, 
like Stacy say, man, I had to buckle up and I had to be, had to be on a mission. You know, worked out every day, twice, three times a day, sometimes, and I prepare myself to get to the position where I'm at today. I think one of the things I, I felt when I was in Oklahoma getting ready to go to the NBA, like you, you kind of were thinking like, what is the NBA going to be like? Because when you're at Oklahoma, you're having fun. There's no money involved. You know, we all struggling. You know, we we struggling to buy some pizzas. We, we struggling to get, you know, get some food. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you get to that, you get so close to that next level. And you go, what is that next level going to be like? And I thought when I got my first year, you know, I, I went to a championship caliber team. But my mindset when I came here, I was like, man, I miss college every single day because you really <laughs> man, find out you, you really find out that the next level is business. It's not like college. You know, did you have that same feeling as well, buddy? Oh, I, like you hit on you hit it on the nail, man. Like every day I was like, bro, like I miss college. And like and you, and, you, and the point is, it's not like it was just saying like, yo, I don't want to be in the league. But it's just like, yo, you see how like college was just like. It was more like structured, you know. Yes. It's more like everybody's together and like every everybody's like, yo, it's it's basically every man for himself, low low key. Yeah, you know. But the the, the plan is to win a championship, but it's like, yo, after that, like everybody's by themselves, you know. Like you really by yourself. Like college, you're just more togetherness, and like you around your friends, and like it's just more of a better vibe. When you get the NBA, it's like, yo, like you really by yourself. Like you go home, it's you you home, either your brothers with you, and like yo, you don't want to be doing that because you're so used to a custom lifestyle in college, where you're so used to like practice swim, standing in the gym all that type of stuff it was just different so like you just get get used to that grind and that lifestyle and like you see you travel on the plane you see guys staying overnight and doing stuff in college you never do those things you know so you just gotta get used to it and of course you didn't like it but you gotta get used to it and you're like yo this life is better how, how many times when you were a rookie did you get on the phone and call the guys on your team that were still at Oklahoma? And how many times did you jump on the plane anytime you had, you know, like three or four days off that you went back to Norman? Because <laughs> I did it. I did it almost every single time I got two or three days off. I was back in Oklahoma visiting my friend. I missed my teammates so bad. I, my phone yeah. bill was so expensive that first year because I was homesick. I, I just missed being around that that camaraderie that you had because as you get as you come in that league, man, I came on a team with veterans, dudes that had wives yeah. and kids, and it was go. totally different. It was a lot different. Yeah, like, like Oklahoma, there's a football game, and I know that, okay, Saturday we get Friday. Okay, training camp, you start. I'm going to Oklahoma. Like, you know, uh, or when training camp starts, we got a day on practice. Over, I said, yo, I'm going to try to sneak over to Oklahoma, man. Just like pop in, pop back out. It, and then the point is, it just felt better being back in Oklahoma. Like, and I know a lot of guys that did this too. Like, it just feel back, feel better being at where you used to be because like it make you feel like you know relieve a lot because like like he said like being around those NBA players like our, your, your new teammates they have wives they have kids like it's just different. And he's like man like I mean I got to be like this and like you know eventually we can get to that one day but like he was not ready. He was just culture shock to that to the environment and uh like like but it was fun. Like, I snuck I snuck over <laughs> them a couple of times. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I mean and it was and then the point is and it helped me to find myself the league because sometimes you gotta go back where you come from and after when you go back there it's business and uh, it helped me locked in though well buddy you were drafted into the nba by the new orleans franchise and it seemed like everybody loved you down there they were excited to have you ncaa tournament hero and then the business set in you get traded off to sacramento <laughs> what was that whole experience like for you you know it was, it was shocking you know it was so crazy i had a uh, at the time i had a. Uh, my family came down, it was All-Star Weekend, like, you know, the first Rising Star game, we all chilling, having fun. Like, you know, it, was, it was it was just a great weekend, you know, you just walk around the city doing all these pop-up shops, everything. 
Sunday, I didn't went to the game. No, I was going. To, I was finally going to the game. I was so tired. You know the NBA life. You know all the, yep. the All Star Weekend. You you go out, you party, do all this type of stuff. Like you, you enjoy the festivities of the All Star Weekend. That was my first time. My family's there, and uh, I know I was getting ready to go out Sunday night. And after the All Star game, I know I had to go run to. The, I was planning to go run to the store to go get go get something right quick. And then oh, I look at my phone. I saw that man. Like, that that the ESPN update. Da, 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 you know. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, like you always keep the NBA alert always on. Like on my phone, the NBA alert always on because a trade, a trade just happened, man. And I got the alert, you know. And I was like, bro, what? I see my name. I said, Buddy Hill, Langston Galloway, and Tyree Gavin was traded to Sacramento Kings for for the Marcus Cousins. I was like, yeah. Oh, what's going on? So after that, nobody informed me nothing. Like you know. So oh, after I called my one one of my good friends, he's in the, he's in the front office of the team, and he was like, "I said, yo, did I just get traded?" <laughs> and he's like, it's like he was like scared to tell me, like, "Yeah, yeah, that's true, B." Oh man, and I was like, I mean, like, really? I mean, he's like, you are you all playing me? Are you all serious? He's like, "Yeah, it's true, B." He's like, "Man, like, yeah, man, like, they want to go to Marcus Cousins," and he said, "Man, it's nothing against you, man. You're a young player, but like, you know, you know when." The owners and stuff. I mean, like the, the GM and stuff. They feel under pressure. They they gotta like make make a decision, you know. And I at that point, Demarcus Cousins was a uh, big, you know, really, and he was like all star, five time all star, whatever. And I, he was, you know, and Demarcus Cousins was the Marcus Cousins league, you know, everybody he was a special player. And after that, I was like, man, like I'm really out there. So I just bent back my back on my porch, by my house, and I just started like, you know, I I start crying. I said, man, like first year in the league. I got traded, and I was like, I didn't know what to expect. And I was, I was ready, trying to, I, and I was just on the verge of finding myself in the league. You know, I was just trying to find myself because as a rookie, you know, you just go through these, like, ups and downs, and you try to find a rhythm, and, like, it is hard. And after I said, man, like, going to another situation, get to Sacramento, it was like, you know, like, damn, you have vets, other vets, you're getting to learn new people. You're just getting used to your old teammates. you got to learn new people. I was like, man, like, this, this thing is all messed up. And obviously, like, yeah, New Orleans is like, yeah, like, it wasn't working out as I wanted to work out. Eventually, it could have worked out because I think that being around the coaching staff and the players, they would have helped me elevate my game. And it was working out. Like I said, I was finding my way. I got there. I said, man, I got to do the same thing over what I have to do at New Orleans, start over. But one thing on me, I love the grind. It's fun for me. And it, it wasn't bad. So, I mean, I got adjusted, learned the guys. And, uh, you know, it was a lot. No, you know, of course, there's always a little friction, you know, like, Everybody know they, they trade the Marcus for Buddy. Buddy come in, you know, and he got the chip in the shoulder. Everybody saying like, "Oh, like he's gonna be the face of Sacramento, X, Y, Z, whatever." You know, I was I was letting that bottom my head, but I know that like if you trade your best player for for a rookie, like you, it's a, you probably want him to like you know, like make him ele- elevate him a little bit. Yeah, be successful, man. So yeah. I was like, "Yo, I gotta figure out how to do this, how to figure this out." You know, you know what I mean? I'm a cool guy. I, you know, yeah, I know rookies on the team. That I get drafted with, so you know, it's messing with them and uh, for that. But uh, I'm always like, I feel like I always like, I'm always with the older guys. You know, I always don't hang with the young. I always older guys, because so, like, that's, that's how I always was. Always trying to do what the older guys do. And uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a hard adjustment. And just, just the hardest thing, just like trying to like get to know those guys, because everybody's like in their own world and their own feelings, doing their families, and like that was like the biggest adjustment for me. And coming to Sacramento from New Orleans, it was like oh totally different culture shock, you know? So I was like, yeah, you're used to New Orleans, the food, Sacramento. Basically everything was like closed, like, like 10, 10 o'clock, you know? <laughs> so like, you, so you, you, you just like, 
man, like these cities, man, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't win with these cities, you know. But, <laughs> yeah. but it, 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 it is what it is, though. But you know, coming coming from Oklahoma, you you were a big time scorer. You've seen every defensive coverage. You've seen boxing ones. You know, your senior year, you saw everything. People trying to stop you. What was the biggest adjustment for you coming to the NBA to translate your game from what you did in college? And what did you have to change or get better at when you got to the NBA? It's crazy you say that. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of defense. I guess you say the physicality, number one. Uh, the league don't call no fouls. Those tiki-tac fouls they call in college. I go to the basket. I said, man, that's a foul. <laughs> nah, welcome to, the, welcome to the NBA. <laughs> I said, okay, bet. All right, bet. Uh, that and uh, just the speed and it's just like learning the game, man. Learning the... Uh, Learning how to score, get your shot up faster, the length. You know, guys are, you know, you go to college, you know, like you're the best player in college and you think that you're elite. When you have a guy, just guys way elite than you, move faster than you, move faster than college. So you have to like really like mentally think like, yo, how am I going to bucket with this guy? Gonna use a ball screen, pin down, back, back, back door, something. Because it's not like, oh, like I'm the best player in college, I can do whatever I want. No, you get really like mentally like go to your mind, like, yo, how am I going to get a bucket? And that's why I say the game is more mental than physically because, like, you know, this this league is tough, you know. So I was, like, mentally preparing myself each and every day, like, okay, who's guarding me? Who's on matchup? What does the defender like to do? What he doesn't like to do? How can I get my shot off? And, of course, I'm a lead shooter, so, like, teams be on me. So I have to, like, work hard to get score, uh, work hard to score. So it was, like, a big adjustment. But uh, once I got my knack and my niche and I had to run harder, I had to get the spots faster, it, it, it wasn't that bad to adjust. It's been quite a roller coaster ride in Sacramento. You've had multiple coaches, multiple general managers. You've had high lottery picks that have come and gone. Willie Cauley Stein. I mean, Marvin Bagley's uh, been struggling to find a foothold there. What's it been like for you having dealing with all the changes and, and always, you know, a new roster every year and, and people thinking, when, when are the Kings finally going to win consistently? You know, I'm in trying to figure it out too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the point is, uh, it's the business side of it, you know what I mean? Uh, everything is not going to go perfect how you want it to go. And uh, you always like, yo, like, sometimes I ask God, like, yo, why am I in this situation? But, you know, and I'm always like, yo, every year we're going to make the playoffs, we made the playoffs. And, uh, and and we never get there, you know? But uh, as it, you know, like, I, w- I wouldn't call nobody out. I do nothing about say what's wrong or whatever. I just said that we didn't have the good luck. Good luck, you know? Uh, and I think that the picks we had and people we had, like, I just think that, it's like there wasn't a the right fit at, at, at times, you know, and uh, or we did all. There probably was the right fit, but we didn't like or use in the right way, or or coaches was like didn't gain enough longer leash to you know to make things work, you know. There's just a lot of things you can go off of that, and uh, but I think that you know guys here are playing hard each and every day and uh, are working hard, you know, like and uh, you know they're, they're fun guys to be around. I just feel like we just haven't really clicked. And the way we wanted to click, and uh, and like like you guys say, like we are we have a talented group, but it's just that we haven't figured out how to click. So I don't know what what needs to be, what's to happen, what needs to do. But I think that we have good solid pieces, but like we haven't been able to click, and uh, that's been very frustrating on uh, the front office and and the president too. Well, the thing that's so that's so amazing about it is, and I don't think sometimes <clears throat> t- people tend to forget. You know, you guys are one of the youngest teams in the league. I mean, I think you got maybe one or two guys thirty years old or older. Um, so you got a pretty your core group of guys are still in their twenties, and right. 
you know, watching you guys play, I mean, you got a great point guard in De'Aaron Fox. I think he's one of the, you know, top 10 point guards in the league. And so, you know, you're a great shooter. And, you know, you've got Harrison Barnes on that roster. I mean, there is some talent on that Halliburton. roster. Halliburton, who, who's, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I liken Halliburton, De'Aaron Fox to, you know, what, you know, Dame Lillard and McCollum is in Portland. You know, they're those kind of guards. They're interchangeable at the point guard position. They can attack you from anywhere in the floor. That's why it's just so amazing that you guys, and I, I watched you play. I watched y'all play Golden State last night. You guys play hard. It's like down the stretch when you, you need, to buckle down a little bit and 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 yeah. find a way to win, you guys haven't figured that out yet, right? And uh, I say this, but that's why I say it's being a shading part. Like we we have the capability of doing a lot of things, but like it's just not it's not translating, you know. And uh, so I don't know what needs to be changed or what's 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 in the, what's in the plan for the future. But uh, I know something something always have to change because something's not working. And we all know that that's human nature. If it's if you're still the same and you haven't improved, something has to change, and uh, and that's the part of this business. You know, things have to change, and like because everybody wants to win, so we all try to find what's best for the team and uh, how can help us. How can we help this organization, this team, and the players get to their get to the next level and get to the playoffs? Buddy, we all saw the rumors over the summer that there was a possibility you might have been traded to the Lakers. How close right. did that come to actually happening? Man, there's a lot of rumors, man. I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. This is, uh, of course, I would have loved that for sure. Going up with kids, Laker fan, Kobe Bryant fan. Uh, the whole Bahamas, whole Bahamas is a Laker nation. Uh, uh, is Laker nation because of the way Michael Thompson, he was uh, drafted there. Yep. Uh, so uh, we all grew up Laker fan. Rick Fox was always, you know, was always there. So, uh, you know, it would have been a, a great opportunity, you know, play with LeBron and AD. And, uh, you know, being in L.A., of course, but, uh, you know, just to play with LeBron and, like, and pick his brain and uh, just see, you know, just, be a, just to see what, how things are being, you know. But uh, I understand it's a, it's a business league, and, uh, and Russell Westbrook is a, is, is a great player. And, uh, shit, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't mind playing with him, too, because, uh, because the way, you know, he's always aggressive, he's always savvy, he's a competitor, and uh, I know he's getting a lot of scrutiny, like, the way he plays and everything, but like you gotta have, you want to have a guy like guy like Russell Westbrook every night because he's gonna give it his all and he's gonna play and he's gonna put everything on the floor. And uh, so, uh, you know, of course, I was disappointed, but uh, end of the day, business is business, and you can't let that affect you. And then, uh, if it's meant to happen, it's gonna happen, you know. And uh, and one thing in this league, you know, you it, 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 opportunity always come back around again for sure. Tell tell our listeners who do, who don't really they know you as an NBA player and know you at Oklahoma. Tell them a little bit about your about your background growing up in the Bahamas, and how difficult was it for you growing up in the Bahamas? I mean, I know it's nice weather; it's not too difficult, but being <laughs> yeah. a basketball player because it's not a basketball hotbed. And and talk yeah. a little bit about your journey and how hard it was for you to you know for people to to see Buddy Hield as a basketball player from the Bahamas and and take you seriously. You know, it was, uh, I tell you know, I, I tell everybody my story, and uh, and like, every time everybody asks me, like, yo, like, how do you make it over to Bahamas? And I was say, like, man, like, every day as a kid, you know, it started off me. I used to live with my dad, and my dad, uh, you know, and my dad thinks I'm working out with my mom, so we moved to my grandmother, and I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And people must say, like, yeah, you were not around your dad, but like sometimes, like, stuff like that either make or break you, you know. 
And that made me who I am the person today because uh, I had to figure things on my own. My mom had seven kids. And like, I was like, man, like I got to do something, man. I was to be a track athlete. And I said, man, track is not making enough money, man. You got to be one of one. <laughs> you know, you have, to, yep. you have to be, you have to be one of one. Like, and like, that means you got to be the best of the world at what you do. And if it's not a hundred meter dash, you're not probably making a lot of money. Yeah. And we're going to keep it real. Yeah. So I was like, and as a kid, I was thinking about all that 10, 11 year old. I was thinking about that. I was like, man, like, I'd be running track. And like, I said, man, this is not it, man. And like, and I started watching college basketball and I just started seeing like, yo, like the atmosphere. And like, I started watching Kobe Bryant. I started watching Allen Iverson. I said, man, I want to do what those guys doing. Because and I was nice on like money they were making, and not even because of money, but like they had fun. The fans was interacting with the, the fans was passionate about it, and I said, "Man, I gotta be a part of this game." And of course, I didn't. I didn't stop playing basketball till I got like 11, 12 years old, really. And then after that, man, as like my mom, like she never liked me outside because where I was living in the neighborhood we was living, and it was not a bad neighborhood. She just was a protective mom, and uh, I used to go to the park every time she leaves the house. I used to go to the park seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning, be in the park all day playing basketball. And then after that nighttime, she comes, you can hear her vans squeaking on the park. And everybody be like, yo, your mom's coming. And I was getting butt whooping every time, every time I was getting butt whooping. I was getting my ass beat every time because I was supposed to be home and the sun was down. And you know, the sun down, you're yep. not home, something wrong. Oh, and yeah. my grandma, she always snitched on me. I ain't seen buddy all day. So I used to get whooping all the time. But, <laughs> That made me who I was today. You know, I had to grind. I used to like, you know, like I was always a hustler growing up. Uh, I was like, I was always trying to find ways to make money. Whereas I used to like mow people's lawn for money. If my mom needed extra money, I try to help out. Whatever I could do because I always I worked so hard just to see her, just to see us happy. And uh, my biggest goal, like, as as I get to want to get to the league because I want to get a house. I want to make sure that she had a life because a woman with seven kids, she was pregnant at the age of seventeen. Man, she didn't really live a life, you know? Yeah. She sacrificed the whole life for kids' lives. So I was like, man, like, I got to, like, do something special for her. And uh, I was my plan was to get to the MBA and uh, make sure I got a house and make sure she didn't work a day in her life no more and wherever she can relax, travel the world, do whatever she wanted to do. And uh, whatever thing I did in the Bahamas growing up, you know, when I go to basketball trips, I had to go in the corners and sponsor money. And, like, but that, 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 all that sacrifice I did, that, that helped me, make me, and mold me who the man I am today. And, uh, and uh, and uh, and it shows, you know, a lot of, you know, shows where I come from because in the Bahamas, man, like basketball is not like y'all say it's not the hot spot for 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 you know, it's a lot of short people lives there. And uh, if you want to get out there, you have to grind. You got to separate yourself from like going out with friends, uh, staying home. Like this means like basketball skill wise, like the the skill coaching is not there. I'll be honest with you, and like people might say like it's there. Like you know, I had to work out each and every day with coaches early morning, five o'clock in the morning, just to catch up. And when I came to America, I was like, man, I'm so far behind because these guys, them like 15 and 16 and like, they were like way ahead of me, you know? So I was like, man, like I'm so far behind. So I had to work my butt off when I went to high school in the Sunrise Academy. And like, you know, I already had the work ethic. So I had to really like push and grind because like I said, man, if I want to get to the NBA, I got to catch up with this dude's act. So I mean, I got to work triple and double every day. Let's catch up with these guys. And uh, I mean, it paid off. You know, it wasn't easy, but like, end of the day, like, I don't want nothing easy in life. Uh, I want to get everything the hard way. I don't want nobody spoon feed me. That's how I grew up in the Bahamas. Uh, you know, uh, we're just going to go there and grind for what we want. And uh, we're going to get to, and like, that mindset I had, like, I was a stop, 
was not stopping until I get to the league, where it would take me. So I was 25, 26, I was not going to stop. And uh, I was just trying to make any way possible to get my mom a house and make sure she had to work a day in her life. Well, Buddy mentioned earlier during the interview that he got an NBA alert. Uh, we'll pass that along. We are taping the show on Friday afternoon. The Los Angeles Clippers are trading Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a future second-round draft pick to Portland for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Robert Covington is a Chicago-area native, went to uh, Proviso West High School. Wow. Uh, yeah, so, <clears throat> Buddy, as, as you get the deadline coming up next Thursday – are you kind of wondering, am I still going to be in Sacramento when the when the clock strikes midnight? I mean, during the time of see, man, uh, if I'm still here, it's just going to keep grinding out and trying to figure ways to make it to make this thing work. And uh, if I'm gone, uh, I'd be appreciated. Uh, thank you, thank Sacramento for all the, for, for uh, you know for just bringing me here. And uh, it's been a good six year journey. But uh, you know, it's business. You know, if, if I move on, I move on. If I don't. Like I said, I'm still Sacramento Kings, but uh, everything's in God's hand. It's not in my hand. And day, I'm and the day I always tell people this: I once I have a job in the NBA, I'm happy. Uh, and I think people take that for, don't take that for like they take that for granted. Like you know, sometimes yeah, yes, we're in a bad situation or not the position we want to be in, but like having a job in the league, you know, it's really the guys are trying to get in this league. And like you don't want to be those one of those guys that out of the league trying to get back in because once you're in. Just find a way to stay your ass in. Mm-hmm. Once you always hard to get back in. So uh, I'm just appreciative being here and being blessed every day to be to say I'm an NBA player and uh and uh and like uh, you know like like people take that for granted because uh it's really hard to get in this league. And Stacey, you know how you play in the league and, and uh once you out, man, it's like there's no it's hard to get back in yeah. unless unless it's a friend that looks looking out for you or there's a G and that really loves you, you know. So uh and because uh, oh, the league is going young, so uh, I'm appreciative of being in this league as long as I can and play at a high level as long as I can. And I, and I just want to keep playing for a long time. So no matter what, if I'm here at Sacramento or a different team, I'm just happy to be in the league, man. Uh, where I came from, the journey I had, ups and downs, the grind, man. Like I, I would not trade this for, for a million places, uh, million places to be. So that's uh, why I said, once I, as long as I have a job in the league, I'm very happy and very appreciated. I know. I know. Your last year at Oklahoma, you you had the privilege to meet Kobe Bryant, and up in, it was at the Anaheim right. tournament of the NCAA tournament. You had a chance. He came out and watched you play. You got a chance to meet him. Right. So when you came into the league, what what guy were you? Star- I know you were starstruck with Kobe because I saw it. So that we already know that everybody's starstruck when you meet somebody like that. But when you mm-hmm. came in the league, what, which guys were you like? Oh my God, I can't believe I'm on the same floor with this guy. I've been watching him, and you were in awe of. Ah. Uh. Uh, you know, it's Clay's from the Bahamas. Uh, I mean, his dad is from Michael Thompson from the Bahamas. Yep. Uh, and uh, when Clay used to come down to Oklahoma City, uh, he used to, uh, I you know, we, we used to chat and talk. I used to go watch them play a lot. And you know, you're watching them, you say, Man, I'm better than these guys, man. I can yep. shoot the ball better than guys, you know. And uh, and I, I was get, get lucky to meet him and Steph, Draymond, everybody in the back, and uh. And it was, uh, it was cool, you know, when uh, I think that when I got to share the floor with them and like I see you know, how they move and like how the fans react to them. And like I was like, damn, these these dudes are really good. Like, <laughs> and, I, and I was like, man, like I see why the world like isn't all these guys because they play at a certain style of pace basketball and Steph is just a wizard out there. And I was like, man, like, yeah, I was in awe the, the way they play. And like I was saying, man, this thing is for real. And uh and another thing, you know, uh, I know when I was struggling, I, I, I got to mention you, mention it, and uh, I was struggling in the league, you know, uh, 
you know, I was, I was happy to be in the league, you know, and uh, Anthony Davis came to me one time. He was like, man, like, bro, like, and this, this, you in the league, man, you do the sixth pick. Like, you know, we expect you to do, we expect you to come in and do work, you know, like, you know, and we, so right now you ain't doing no work. We need you to like, you know, like show, show why you sixth pick. And uh, because like, you know, like you only have two years granted in your contract. And, uh, and after that, like, you know, like they, 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 they ain't going to sign you back. So like, he was like, man, you got to step it up, man. If you don't step it up, they're just going to find somebody else and they can play you and be out the league. And I think that was like a good, great conversation. He came to me and like talked to me and like, I always like as a as a player, and even though Anthony Davis is younger than me, I'm older than him. But I came as a four year senior, uh, a, a, a person like that, like a high uh, high uh, statue came to me, like saying like, yo, like you gotta like really like get your work, get yourself together because if you don't do that, you be out the league. And I after that one after that, like I kind of switched. He's like, yeah, man, this is like not NBA is not no fun thing to be in. It's like a business, you know. And if you're not doing your work. They can kick you out, and they can find somebody else to do what you're doing. So uh, I always appreciate him come telling me that because that's one of the turning points in my in my, my the turning points in the where my game started going up from there. Well, buddy, you've established yourself as one of the best shooters in the league, an instant offense guy, whether it's in a starting or a reserve role. We wish you all the best in Sacramento, thank and thank you so much for joining us on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Uh, Boomer Sooner, baby. Hey, 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 sorry about that, Stacey, man, but Stacey been trying to get me on the show for a long time. <laughs> hey, we'll send you some hot, some of his great hot sauce. I'm going to send you some of my too. hot sauce. You like hot sauce? For sure, I love hot sauce. All right, we're gonna we gonna send you we're gonna send you some hot sauce and uh, my signature hot sauce, and uh, mm. it's very good. It's very good. We don't do you know we don't do nothing half ass in Oklahoma, boy. You know we we bring it, we bring it. One of the best <laughs> shooters of all time, baby. Suit of history, baby. Buddy Hill, our special guest on Give Me the Hot Sauce. We'll talk a little football right. when we come back. Thanks, B. Right, y'all be good, man. Appreciate Thanks, it, bro. Thanks, buddy. We are back on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Great talking to Buddy Heald. Fantastic interview. And he got the alert about that trade. Interesting. Portland's selling off. They could be, have some big changes coming up. There's going to be a lot of teams selling off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Portland is in a situation where, you know, the Clippers are in a situation they need small forwards because most likely Paul George is going to be out of the rest of the season. And I think Kawhi Leonard is going to be basically out the whole season. So they really have – they've been struggling at the small forward position. So getting a guy like Covington and Norman Powell, both guys can play that position. Norman Powell can score and defend, two-way player. So that that helps the Clippers, who just beat the uh, Lakers last night. Yeah. You know, Reggie Jackson hits a game-winning shot to win the game. Uh, and they've been playing pretty decent under the circumstances, losing two superstars. They've been playing pretty good. So this this will give them a little bit of a boost going in, trying to get to the playoffs with the, the team that they have now. And Covington was a guy that was linked to the Bulls, maybe thinking he'd be a guy to be a good defensive wing for the Bulls. He would have. I mean, because he plays the stretch four position. Now, he's really a natural three, six yeah, foot seven, but, but he can guard bigger guys. Yeah. You know, he can step out and guard. You know, that would have been a, a good situation. But, you know, what do you have to give up to get a guy like that? You know, what what is it that, that the other team, like Portland, wants for that? Do you, oh, we want your future first. It's like, eh, he's not, no. he's 30 something years old. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to mortgage the future for a guy for a rental player that's only going to be here a year. And then we lose that, that first round pick or whatever. So, you know, you got to be very smart if you're 
general manager. Um, the teams that need to sell and try to get under the luxury tax, I understand what they're doing. You know, it's it's a free for all. You know, okay, buy one get two free because you get two. You think of they gave up two players that basically play the same position. So you know, the Bulls are in a, in a different situation. They've got a team that wasn't even picked to contend. You know, at the beginning of the year, not just Nick Fredale. You know, we give Nick a lot of you know a lot of, <laughs> lot, of, lot, of lot of crap, but there's a lot of NBA experts that did not think the Bulls were a playoff caliber team. They thought they were a 10th seed. Maybe they'd be a play-in team. And now, you know, here they are. They've been number one, mostly top three, most of the season. And now they find themselves at number one. Um, you know, now people want them to go out and make all these home run moves. You know, that that's why AK is is who he is and Mark Eversley and J.J. Polk. Those guys are, you know, they think things through. They don't rush and, and, and get put under pressure by what media thinks or what fans think. You know, because they this is the fastest turnaround I've ever seen any NBA team make. I mean, seriously, like as as long as, long as I've been in the NBA and, and, and been a player and a broadcaster, this is one of the one of the fastest turnarounds I've seen from a team that was, you know, 11th fighting for a playing game that got, didn't make it and overhaul the entire roster, a whole new roster, except for maybe two or three players. And then you, you basically bypass the chemistry stage because it, when you put a team like this together, Mark, it normally takes three months for a team right. to get some yeah. kind of chemistry and learn how to play with each other. And not not to mention that, but you brought in frontline play. You brought in players that were starters that were the man on other teams, and now they have to blend their talents together. And I tell you what, man, it's been amazing to watch the chemistry of this team. And and even we even with guys being out, the Bulls continue to win. Let's get to some uh, quick NFL news. Tom Brady, the greatest TB12. of all time, announced his retirement. It was first reported by a couple of ESPN guys. And then he said, well, I'm still thinking about it. But obviously the news was accurate because he retired in an official statement he announced. When you think about seven Super Bowl championships, all the passing records he holds, I don't know if anybody's ever going to equal what Tom Brady accomplished in the league. I'll tell you what, man. He, he'll go down as the greatest uh, quarterback, maybe one of the greatest players in team sports history. And, I mean, I still put him below Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan never lost to finals. And he was MVP for six straight NBA finals, six NBA finals on two different championship-level teams. And not too many people can say that. You know, Tom Brady in football – it's very difficult what he did. I mean, to come from New England where you're in a in a situation where everything's set out for you, he took some bad New England teams to the Super Bowl. I mean, seriously. You know, people say, oh, well, he had talent. Think of – name Hall of Fame receivers that he's played with. Zero. I mean, yeah. Randy I mean, Moss. You, you, you'll say Randy year. Moss yeah. won, Randy, but for one year. Yeah. You know, Randy Moss got picked off of waivers from uh, Oakland. So it wasn't like they drafted him. He was in their system. Uh, you know, people say Julian Edelman. I don't think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I think he's a good football player, but not a Hall of Famer. Wes Welker's not a Hall of Famer. The only Hall of Famer receiver that he, he played with, other than Randy Moss, that was in the New England system was Gronk. Gronk will definitely be a first ballot mm -hmm. Hall of Fame. That was the one guy. Think about the running backs that he played with. You know, he's played with a, a ton of different running backs. So um, you got to you got to tip your head off to Tom Brady because what he did in New England and 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 won all those games and Super Bowls in New England, and then came to Tampa Bay, where Tampa Bay the year before had Jameson Winston there who threw what fifty interceptions and fifty <laughs> touchdowns or something, and Tom crazy, Brady was yeah. like looking probably looking and saying, "Wow, you know what? At forty, I'm better than him." If I can just take care of the, the football, which I've done my whole career, those 50 touchdowns and then cut the interceptions down, they got a great defense, and then I'll recruit guys. 
because he basically recruited guys to come play. Gronk was retired, was enjoying, you know, retired life, did not want to play. And then all of a sudden he comes in. And then you get, you know, uh, Antonio Bryant comes in. And they were able to, they almost got Julian Edelman to come play, but his loyalty to the New England Patriots kept him from coming. But he really wanted to come. And they turned that, that franchise around and won a Super Bowl. This year they came up short. You know, it wasn't his fault. You know, you had the distraction of A.B. They, they missed Chris Godwin, uh, their, their number, really arguably their number one or two receiver. Uh, they missed him, and a lot of his weapons were gone. You know, Leonard Fournette got hurt at the Fournette got hurt at the end of the year, which, you know, threw his rhythm off a little bit, and their offensive line was banged up going to the playoffs. And uh, they got beat. They got beat by a good Rams team. Yeah, and Brady, at age 44, passed for over 5,000 yards. He was, like, number one or two in the league in just about every statistical category. But I think whispers what bothered him. He said that his wife was uh, getting tired of seeing him getting hit, taking those vicious hits on Sunday. And I think she makes more money than he does. So I guess yeah, it's yeah, okay for him true. to retire, right? Yeah, it works for him. <laughs> but people have also forget that his first choice was uh, the Bears. I don't think that was his first choice. That, well, he said it. He no, he never said yeah, that. He said it. <laughs> Come on, Whispers. Whispers hey, might have, he might have tipped back too many on that one. <laughs> well, he, might, he might have heard Bucks, but he, he thought he was going to go to the cold okay, weather. Nobody, nobody knows how dry I am. Nobody knows how dry I am. He wanted to go to okay. the Bears. Way to go, TB12. Oh, man. <laughs> the Bears are one of the teams that were rumored when he hit free agency, but they never had it. You know, the way their organization is run, there was no way they're going to You know who said he wanted to come to the Bears? Yeah, the Bears wanted to do it. No, Russell Wilson was the one that said he wanted to come to the Bears. That was one of his destinations. Everybody wants to come to the Bears. Yeah, everybody wants to come to the Bears. It's not going to happen. But I tell you what, though, he had an amazing career. He did. He will will go down as the greatest NFL quarterback. You know, it used to be Joe Montana. But no, now, and I love Joe. I love Joe. But it's going to be now, it's going to be Tom Brady. Now it's going to be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's got to win a few more. But yeah. I will say this, saying, yeah, Broad- America, Broadway Joe Burrow with America, his stuff. America, did I not tell you? Go back a couple episodes. The Bengals. When the Bengals did not tell you they were going to beat the Titans. Don't sleep on Joe Burrow in Kansas City. It would not surprise me if they won that game. And what happened? They won the game. And I'm going out. I guarantee <laughs> they are going to beat the Rams. Yeah, let it ride. There's your part. I'm line. riding it out. They are yeah. going. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase they are going there to you beat you the here. Rams. You heard it here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Yes. Hey, before we get out of here, there was a big story that really bumped the whole Tom Brady thing off the headlines, and that was Brian Flores, the who was fired by the Miami Dolphins and has uh, applied for different jobs suing the National Football League, uh, citing racial discrimination and saying the Rooney rule doesn't work and he wants the league to take some responsibility. When you look, there were nine coaching openings. Four are still open, but five were filled by white uh, coaches. And Stacy, it's, it's a serious issue in sports and in life. And Brian Flores is putting his career potentially in jeopardy by filing this lawsuit. Well, it's very similar to what Kurt Flood did for yeah. free agency in baseball. You know, he gave up, and he was a heck of a player, all-star caliber yeah. player, gave up his career for something he believed in, equality for, you know, African-American players and, and free agency to be able to go where you want. Uh, sometimes people do that. You know, sometimes, you know, the cause is bigger than the paycheck per se. And I give Brian Flores a lot of credit because, you know what, it'd be different if he was a bad football coach. You know, you look at what he did in Miami and with the talent that he had down there, you know, it was obvious they wanted to lose. It was obvious they wanted to lose. This, this guy coached them to almost making the playoffs the whole time he was there, you know. And I know people look, oh, he was 8-8. Eight and eight. Okay, have you looked at that team? 
You had a rookie right. quarterback, quarterback in you, and you know he was injured, and you had to you know put in someone else. Um, you know what? Listen, at, at the end of the day, when you when you look at the leagues, you know you look at the NBA. NBA is so far ahead of all the other leagues when it comes to hiring African Americans in in prominent roles, whether it be coaching, general manager, and the league is predominantly African American players. Um, they are Adam Silver and David Stern. I mean, they do a great job of making sure there's diversity in the NBA. They do. I mean, tops, heads above everybody else of team sports. The NFL is behind, you know, and I know the argument that, you know, put the Bruni rule in and that's, you know, that that was getting African-American coaches interviews. But what you're starting to find out was those are just one of those like topical things. Like, check the box. Yeah. This, well, we brought one in. Yeah. We yeah. brought an African-American in. So yeah. check it off the box. But you were never seriously right. going to hire. You look at guys like Mike Tomlin, who's been in the Pittsburgh organization for so long. You know, and, you know, last couple of years, they struggled. Pittsburgh has struggled, but you don't see him on a hot seat. You don't hear anybody talking about he's on. High. He is a great football coach. He, he's had his tree is is as far as assistants are concerned. Um, it speaks for itself, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're black, white, green, blue or yellow. You know, everyone should have the same, you know, the same you know, due process when it comes to interview. If this, if the, if the guy is green and he's more qualified than the black or the white or the brown or whatever, then he should get the job. Okay. And if his record and he blows away his interview, because a lot of things nowadays, people go off interviews. How are you in the interview? You know, and let's say, let's say, you know, you got a guy that comes in and, and he's a terrible football coach, but he blows you away. You know, Urban Meyer. <laughs> prime example he might blow you away in the interview process and, and his his past accolades as a college coach but he hasn't proven that he can win at the nfl level when you have coaches that white brown black that are more proven coaches than him but he got the job based off of he won at ohio state the name recognition but we saw that he was a terrible football coach at the pro level and there's been a lot of coaches like that who've been hired basically off of their name you know, the retreads, I always like to say, guys who continually get job interviews and get coached when they've proven that they can't win at this level, and they continue to get hired. And then these young assistants, like, you know, Brian, uh, Byron Leftwich, who's a top offensive coordinator. Most coaches now are being hired because they're great offensive coordinators. He's a great offensive coordinator from the Bucks. They went to the Super Bowl. He coached Tom Brady. He was Tom Brady's coach. You're telling me that guy's not qualified to be a head coach? On any level, you know, uh, Eric Bieniemy, who's been Kansas City's offensive coordinator um, for the last four or five years and calling plays. I, everybody knows Andy Reid is the last one that makes decisions on everything because we saw that with Matt Nagy, mm -hmm. you know. But those guys still have an important role on those teams as the offensive coordinator. They work, I mean, they work hand-in-hand -hand with the quarterback, the, the tight end, the receivers. So they are qualified. You just got to lose the stigma of, and the owners are the, basically the ones, because the owners are the ones who own the team. They're the ones who say, I want this guy, I don't want that guy. So you got to lose that stigma of color. You have to look at the person as an individual, and, and is he qualified to be, the, is this the guy I want because he's got, you know, he's got a good moral standing, he's good with the players, he's going to be able to get things out of these players. And I think when you start looking at it that way instead of looking at it as color, I think it'll be much better off. So that's going to be a big story. We'll be following as the weeks progress to see what happens with the lawsuit that Brian Flores and has filed hopefully, against the Mark, NFL. Brian Flores doesn't get blackballed because of that. Yeah, that would be the worst I, I, possible. And, and it would be so obvious if that's what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, this guy is a good coach. He's a good human being. You've never heard any bad things about him on any level that he's been at. 
and he deserves an opportunity to, if he's not a head coach, to be a defensive coordinator because he's a, he's a great coach, and he deserves to be on someone's roster. If they hold that against him, it will be obvious of what he just said. Another big national story, uh, the Major League Baseball and Players Association. Oh. That That's a mess. We're not even going to get into that now. we got plenty of time. But pitchers and catchers were supposed to report on Valentine's Day. That ain't happening. So cancel yeah. your spring training plans if you had early. They're trying to get an arbitrator, though. That's what, I, that's what I'm here. Mediation. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see and hopefully, hopefully they can do that. and get it. I, I think at the end of the day, I was just talking to somebody about it who's, who's who does baseball games. And and we were talking about it. And, and the most important thing that I think these players and, and owners have to understand is is that we're still in a pandemic you know the entertainment dollar can only be stretched yeah. so far people don't want your and nonsense people don't want to hear people yeah. don't want to hear about where we're, you're um, finagling over millions of dollars when they're yeah. having a hard time right, making right. ends meet especially during this time yeah, get in the so room gotta, and figure it so, out so you got to be very careful yeah. about that not to alienate your fans because you know anytime baseball's had long strikes the fans it, it took a while for the fans to come back for that mm-hmm. you know well, what i'm saying to bring steroids back well no well there you go but it, it, ta- <laughs> it takes a little time for that mark so they got to they definitely got to be mindful of that you know their fan base hey tell the folks how they can get some hot sauce it's flying off the shelves oh it's flying off the shelves tim's filling orders even as we're doing the show oh america if you you liked hot sauce and barbecue sauce then you're listening to the right show give me the hot sauce has the best small batch organic sauces to spice up your kitchen chicago style red sauce with garlic twist our mm. St. Pat's Verde Green Sauce with extra avocado mm. and cilantro. <laughs> and our King's Q, a bold, spicy, and sweet sauce, just like Whispers. <laughs> Use code Hot Sauce 21 to get 21% off your first order. That's Hot Sauce 21 for 21% off. Order today for the holidays. The holidays? What holidays? Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That is a national, you can, hey, this is a like, national this holiday. This is like, uh, what, is it, what is it, Ron Burgundy? <laughs> just keep reading. Yeah. Just, just keep reading. We're, yeah, we're just, just keep reading what they give you, buddy. We want to thank our guy, DJ Pavel. DJ Pavel. For man on the board, doing a great job as always. And as Pavel always reminds me, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Give me the hot sauce <laughs> on all the, your favorite podcast carriers and YouTube. Right, Pavel? Right. And she'll like it too. <laughs> and she'll like it too. Stacy and Dawn are going home on Windy City Limo, so make sure oh, to, to tell oh, your friends about that. Windy City, Windy City Limo provides championship service. <laughs> Making a reservation is so easy, it's a slam dunk. Let Windy City break the full core pressure of traffic and get you to your destination in style and on time. Contact Windy City at 866-94-WINDY. That's 866-94-WINDY. And remember, she'll like it too. (laughs) Pavel, how about a little music on the way out? There you go. Yeah. Drive home safely. Chicago. Thanks to Buddy Heal. Thanks to everyone. We'll be back with a new show next week. Oh, my goodness. Give me the hot sauce. Bill Fox.